great future. We're talking real money. Let's talk a little bit about what it means to be an investor. Or what investing is. I know we use the word a lot. And a lot of people use the words a lot. Investing, investors, invest. But what do those really mean? Because if you listen to most of the media, the money media, you read most of the money media or watch most of the money media, you get a distorted perspective on investing. Because investing isn't what they think it is. And I don't know how they could be so wrong. I really don't. But they are so wrong. Well, okay. Actually, I do know how they could be so wrong. They're so wrong because there is so much pressure from the financial services industry to lump all of these things under the umbrella of investing because it makes them a lot of money. But investing is really, really quite simple. It's putting your money into something that has the potential to make, actually create, wealth going forward. Create wealth. Not become more valuable, but create wealth. See, lots of things can become more valuable just because of supply and demand, but that doesn't make them what I call investments or real investments. Gold can become more valuable or less valuable, but does gold grow? Does a hunk of gold sitting on the table become bigger? No. Does it pay dividends? No. Does it pay interest? No. Is it an investment? No. Are commodities an investment? Oil, does it grow larger? No. Can it become more valuable? Yes. Corn, it's an investment if you grow it, but it's not an investment if you bet on it. And there's the key word. I just said the key word. Investing is not betting. This is so important and yet still so misunderstood. And the reason I'm addressing this is because I read an article recently on the myths of investing, and it said one of the myths was that stocks and bonds are the only investments. And while there may be other things, yeah, I mean, you know, you could own a piece of real estate and improve it and rent it out. And, and yeah, it could be an investment. Yes, it could. It's more like a business. But things you can get into regularly and easily and that are, are designed have the potential to become more valuable, eh, they're pretty limited. Pretty limited to stocks and bonds and variations on that theme. But generally those. There really isn't much else you can put in there. I know there are lots and lots of alternative investments that people are touting. And uh, again, they don't look to me like investments. They look to me like speculative vehicles. And I'm not comfortable with those. And, and that's one thing I'm, I, I got to tell you, if you just started listening to this podcast, I am going to tell you what I believe to be the truth 
no matter what other people say. I've always done that. Now, have I ever been wrong? Absolutely yes, positively. But will I say something just because it makes me money or makes somebody else money? No, I can't do that. I just can't. It's not in me. Sorry. So uh, if you're going to invest, remember that. Investments must have the potential to grow your wealth in and of themselves, either by becoming more valuable through the efforts of those involved or paying you a dividend or paying you interest for the use of your money. And that is such an important concept for you to understand. It's so easy, though. Hey, you got questions about money? We're always always eager to answer those on Talking Real Money, the podcast or the show. You can send them into TalkingRealMoney.com. You can call them in anytime at 855-935-TALK. Oh, also at TalkingRealMoney.com. You can just push a button and record your question, particularly if you have a good mic on your computer, which by the way, in this day and age, everybody should get themselves a good USB mic for your computer. I can recommend some of the very best. Matter of fact, you know, I may do that in a future episode. I may hook up some USB mics to my computer and share the, uh, the, the, the quality with you. I know it's not really money, but it may be helpful if you're trying to do your job. Because it was funny, I was, I was in a Zoom meeting all day yesterday, and... Uh, they were trying to do it from just a computer with the cruddy mic that is in the computer. And it was some sort of a PC product. And oh my gosh, is it hard to understand anybody? Whereas if you have a good quality USB mic, particularly one with a condenser mic, you know, that costs you in the range of about a hundred bucks. That's where you're going to get the decent ones. You're not going to get decent ones at $10. It would have made all the difference in the world. Something with a you know decent decent omnidirectional mic like the blue like the uh, the blue Yeti. It's a it's more expensive, but it's a good omnidirectional mic, or a good cardioid mic that has like that little heart shaped pattern. And you just point it at the people who are talking. But I'll do more on that, even though it's not money in a future episode. Again, the phone number eight five five nine three five talk eight five five nine three five eight two five five. We take calls on that number twenty four hours a day, seven days a week. Hey, Don and Tom, this is Wade in Indiana. Want to say I love the show. Appreciate all the help that you guys give to so many people. My question has to do with beneficiary IRAs. In two thousand nineteen, my wife received a beneficiary IRA of about thirty four thousand dollars. And then this year in 2020, I'm going to receive one from my grandfather. Uh, not sure the exact amount, but they said it's going to be between ten and fifteen thousand dollars. My question is: Is it wise to convert those beneficiary IRAs into a Roth IRA? I currently have a Roth, but my wife does not. So just looking for advice and the best strategy to do that. Uh, appreciate the help that you guys give. On my personal income for the year is. Uh, under $40,000 just for tax bracket information. Thanks a lot, guys. Thanks for the call. I appreciate the kind words. Um, Inherited IRAs. Uh, You didn't ask, but they're treated a little bit differently since the SECURE Act 
an inherited IRA, your wife, when since she got hers a while ago, she can take the distributions over her life expectancy. Um, so they can be dragged out forever. You, on the other hand, can, can must take yours out over 10 years. So over the course of 10 years, you have to take it out and pay all the taxes. Whether to convert to a Roth or not is one of these questions without a really clear answer because we're guessing your future. If you are a great saver and you're putting tons of money away and you've done some calculations and you're one of those people who's likely to be in a similar or higher tax bracket at retirement and good savers often fall into that trap when they're taking RMDs from their IRAs and the like, then it might make sense if you can afford to pay the taxes out of another account to either convert all at once or slowly convert that inherited IRA into Roths. It's not going to hit you very hard for taxes because it's not a lot of money. I like the idea of having a little bit of both, about having money in Roth accounts, which come out tax-free, and having money in the tax-deferred accounts where you get a tax break up front, but you pay taxes at the end. That way it gives you some flexibility at the end so you can use those tax-deferred assets sooner Maybe, you know, when you have to start taking withdrawals at 72 and let the Roth run out because it's, as you noticed, it's a decent estate planning tool. Not as good as it used to be, but still darn decent. So it's a personal matter. Do you think you're going to be in a higher or lower bracket? If you think lower, leave it alone. If you think higher and you can pay the taxes out of other monies, then sure, why not? Again, our number is 855-935-TALK. You can also send questions in at TalkingRealMoney.com by either uh, speaking them with the little mic button or typing them like this. The subject. (laughs) This is a pretty typical subject. Investment allocation advice. Okay. Hi, Don and Tom. I'm sure glad I got top billing there. I invested... 10K in VTSAX, that's the Vanguard Total Stock Index, which is U.S. stocks, by the way. In April 2020, as of this writing, there's just over 13K in VTSAX. Weren't you lucky? I now have an additional 15000 to invest, but I'm not sure the best course of action to take. My initial thought was to set up a five-fund combo based on Paul Merriman's four-fund combo, adding VTIAX, which is the International Stock Index Fund, for those of you who don't know your symbols and who can blame you, for international diversification. What are your thoughts on this idea? If you think this is a sound option to pursue, how would you construct the combo? Sell shares of VTSAX. Keep VTSAX. Other ideas I've had include a three-fund combo of VTSAX, Vanguard Short, uh, Vanguard Total. I'm just going to tell you the, the funds. Vanguard Total Stock Index, Vanguard Short Term, I mean, so, I'm sorry, Vanguard Short Small Cap Value Index plus Large Cap Value Index. That allows me to keep V. Uh, the internet no (laughs) getting all tongue-tied in all these silly combinations that would allow me to keep the total stock index and avoid a taxable event i think yeah avoiding a taxable event is a really good idea a four fund combo 
basically adding to the, the small cap value and the large cap value in the total stock, the international stock, to include international, or just do the two fund combo with VTSA. Okay, the Vanguard total stock and the Vanguard total international. This is the simple option other than pouring it all into the total stock. However, I do want to maximize the potential return by adding small cap and long cap, small cap and large cap value if possible. Done, 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 done. Here's, you want to, you, <laughs> and then he says, please help. No, please help me. Uh, this money is not invested for a specific goal. I hope to buy and hold until needed or my retirement happens in 28 years. Your advice is greatly appreciated. I love your show and look forward to new episodes, which happen almost daily now, thanks to your hard work. Yeah, except, oh, by the way, um, I'm going to take a couple of vacation days because I'm trying to get moved. So there may be some weekday shows missing. Please forgive me. Because I'm the only one who can do these. It's not like we have this big staff. I'm going to get to your answer in a minute here, Wade. But it's kind of funny. I listen to these shows on NPR. And they have this staff of like 30 people. Or I'll listen to a podcast. And they'll have 12 people in the titles. And in in the credits. And I'm thinking to myself, am I stupid? I mean, honestly. Except for Tom recording a couple of episodes and doing the show together. I do this whole i don't have anyone to whom i can delegate this you think tom could edit it not a snowball's chance Mm -mm, no way (laughs) he's my little luddite all right so i'm gonna get in trouble with somebody for doing an accent (laughs) there's a review about that don don't do accents all right so uh here's let's do the simple thing you're right about i think adding value and adding small makes so much sense. So here's a better idea. Oh, no, it's all right. Let's do, never mind. See, I'm changing my mind. I need help too. Let's go with the four. Hack with it. Go with the four. Do the four. Leave the 13 in SAX. Let's leave it there. Add 10 or so, maybe 12 to the IAX. Yeah, see, this is why I'm just going to skip large cap value because, darn, you have so much large cap as it is. Yeah, never mind. I'm going back to three. Do th- Keep the 13 in the Vanguard Total Stock Index. Put 13 in the Vanguard Total International Index. And then put the rest in the small cap value. There. I like that better. Although, you know, it's not going to make that much difference if you go small cap, large cap, and do a little less in the international and add to that later. I'd like to see you get to about 50% international. I know that's really uncomfortable right now. And that's the whole point. Investing in what is comfortable right now almost always turns out to be a bit of a mistake. Not a huge mistake, but it's it's has it has historically been better to add money to overweight to those areas that haven't done as well and have done well in the past, which international has and small cap has and value has and all that. So there you go. All right. Um, I'm going to do one more call because I think I've rambled enough. Uh, Let's see. The number, 855-935-TALK. Just leave it on the machine. Here we go. 
Hello. Uh, I introduced your podcast to my wife, and she became a listener. She's asking me to help her pick a portfolio for her Roth IRA. She is interested to your two funds recommendation and Paul Merriman's two funds for life portfolio, which is the target date fund and the small cap value. My wife wants to hear your opinions in your future podcast, if possible, that you can help her make a good decision. Thank you so much. Bye. Oh, my. This is another six one way, half a dozen the other dilemma. Um, They're both fine. They really are. Um. Depends on age. You know, to to do the small cap value is going to be a more volatile fund. And here's one of the problems with having that in a portfolio, just hanging out all by itself. And that's our psychology. If your wife can avoid looking at small cap value alone, not just look at it when it performs badly and panic, and she can add it into the total portfolio and always look at how the total portfolio is performing, then having the target date and the small cap is is great. But for a lot of people, having the Vanguard Total World Stock Index, and that may, uh, you know, having that for your equities and then some bonds can make it feel a little bit better because you, when you have a really volatile fund, it can get scary. But if she can ignore that, then the target date and the small cap, easy, easy, breezy way to go. I really do like it. And I really do like that so many of you listen and participate and we'll do it all again tomorrow. I'll do another episode. And then we have another French Friday on Friday. I think it's our last one. And then, of course, Tom's stuff and our live show on Saturday. We're just way too busy here. Way too busy. Okay, I am. Uh, always remember you can call 855-935-TALK. Always remember you can send in questions a couple of ways at TalkingRealMoney.com on the contact form. And please always remember to mention us to other people when the topic of money comes up. Because everybody, not just in this country, everybody in the world is generally getting really lousy financial advice. And we want to change that. So, thanks for being there. Have a great one. I'm Don McDonald. Talking real money. We hope you realize that the information provided on Talking Real Money is for educational and hopefully enjoyable purposes only. Providing personalized financial planning or investing advice takes time, so please consult with a really good fee-only fiduciary investment, tax, or legal advisor. We know a good one. Investing must always involve risk. In other words, you can and probably will lose money at times. Also, as much as you want it, no one can accurately and consistently predict the future. So past performance doesn't tell you a darn thing about what the future will bring. Unlike many other programs that say something similar, Talking Real Money is not trying to get you to buy or sell any financial products or securities. Instead, the program is provided as a public service by Vestry, a fee-only registered investment advisor. Thanks for listening, and please visit TalkingRealMoney.com for more information and disclosures. That should keep the lawyers happy.